All right. Dr. Armahose, Dr. Tori Georgia, we're back. We are back live once again. Man, it's crazy how long we keep these folks waiting, man. We got to start doing this more frequently. We can't keep our fans and listeners in suspense all this time. Well, there's a lot of good stuff to talk about today. Obviously, the NBA is starting up and we're excited about that. Our last podcast was about the NFL, our NFL preseason gratitude series. And this, this episode is going to be a, more so about the NBA, although there is some team dynamics. We've talked about that before in, in a previous episode. Let me go ahead. And pull yeah, that chemistry up. is key. Teamwork makes the dream work. We're all about team chemistry here. And, you know, a big part of mental fitness is understanding the importance of relationships and our connections, right? And, and how no matter what the situation is, whether it's individual or team sports, you know, how we always have a team behind us, a group of people that we're accountable to that, you know, whether it be our, our coaches, you know, our trainers, our families, you know, the community that supports us is always a connection somewhere that makes our endeavor bigger than just us, mm -hmm. right? It makes the importance of winning bigger than just, you know, a self, self-fulfilling prophecy. And I think NBA is one of the, probably the, the number one team sport in a way. I know because football is a little disjunct. You have the offense and defense and they kind of stay separated and they're, they're at, almost at competition with each other, especially in practice. But, but basketball, you can really tell when a team's kind of gelling well, it's, it's beautiful when you see like the, the Spurs or the, the Lakers triangle offense in the past or, or the Bulls, or when you have LeBron and AD really humming together, like there's, there's some beauty in that. So the teamwork with regards to, to NBA is just fascinating. So today we're going to focus in on that. It's kind of almost going to be an extension. On episode 32, we did chemistry of a team. That actually was part two. And we focused more so on football. And then in episode 22, we talked about coaching. And today we're going to talk a lot about coaching because obviously they're the leaders in the locker room oftentimes. And they're the ones that have to deal with certain issues when certain players aren't there, which um, we'll talk about. And then episode 18 was, 18 was our original chemistry of a team podcast so go check those out if you want a little reference so we'll mention a little bit about the disc personality i imagine we'll talk a little bit about that today but we have a lot to talk about with regards to to that teaser kyrie irving ben simmons mm -hmm. you want to go ahead and jump into it yeah let's let's get mindful let's get mindful break down the Brooklyn Nets, Philadelphia 76ers, yes. Lakers, Suns, touch maybe on the Clippers a little bit, Bucks obviously repeating Man, champs. Yeah, listen, th this this could actually be like the season of team chemistry issues, right? Like it's 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 off already started off on a really bizarre foot, right? I mean, it's in terms of like this whole situation with Ben oh, Simmons oh, we're jumping and in. the Philadelphia well, we're, gonna, we're gonna get into that. Well, it's 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 unprecedented. We'll get there. We'll and then get we're there. gonna at we'll the end there. of the NBA part, we're gonna give our some of our predictions. We always like to give predictions because that, that that's what makes it fun. Yeah. Let's go ahead. You were you you mentioned it off the top row. Well, listen, I, I mean, if you if if you guys don't know me by now, you know, I, I do have a tendency of uh, kind of getting a little ahead of myself, uh, which you know is why our partnership is so great. Uh, you know, because Tori knows how to tone it down, right? 
get us, oh, yeah. get us to take a step back. Um, but hey, this one is is kind of big time, and it is one of these things that I'm sure many people, especially the folks in Philadelphia, are just crawling right out of their skin, like just this whole like Ben Simmons situation. It's it's one of these things. It's it's such a messy situation. It's very uncomfortable. It's um, it's kind of a uh, for. I mean, we've seen players hold out in the past, you know, and the James Harden situation is pretty fresh, yeah. right? That just happened what, last season. Um, but this is so different, man, because it just, it's, it really, it's, it's sort of like just got really personal. Um, you know, it just on both sides, it seems like, um, you know, this, the whole, like communication thing, you know, has just completely broken down. And I mean, you have like guys being thrown out of practice, right? I mean, you have, it's a, yeah. been a media fiasco. I mean, Daryl Morey just recently came out and basically threatened to, to keep this on publicly threatened to drag this out for four years. Wow. Uh, potentially. Right. I mean, it's, it's a mess. Yeah. We're at the point now where he, Ben Simmons, after holding out, missing the preseason games, being fined over a million dollars, showed up to practice because he he figured he wasn't going to get half of his paycheck, which he thought he was going to get. So he showed up begrudgingly and and didn't want to participate, was per- participating in practice with a phone in his pocket, didn't want to participate in a defensive drill, and they got kicked out of practice and subsequently suspended for a game. And it sounds like, by all intents and purposes, he doesn't plan on, he doesn't even want to play for them. And the 76ers are kind of putting their foot down and saying that, okay, well, you're going to get fined. And with regards to trading you, if we don't like the offers we're getting, we're not going to trade you either. So they're kind of at the, in the standstill and, and we don't really know what's going to happen. I think um, both camps were kind of calling each other's bluffs. I think in the past, this has happened with James Harden and Anthony Davis. And at the end of the day, usually it works out in favor for, for the superstar. And, and a lot of times it also works out in favor for the franchise in some sort of way. The Pelicans did get a huge haul for Anthony Davis. Um, I don't know if they've done the best with the draft picks, although they got Zion Williams. So, um, and then the Rockets, they didn't get really the best package for James Harden. This is a unique thing because Harden and, and uh, Anthony Davis wanted out of, of cities where their teams weren't very good. Obviously the Rockets were good at one point and Harden won the MVP. So he's got money in the bank with regards to that. But then they just, with Russell Westbrook, they weren't a very good team. They shipped him out. So obviously the Rockets weren't going to be good. He wanted to go to a contender. He goes to the Nets. Anthony Davis wanted to go to a contender. He goes and joins LeBron for the Lakers. This situation, the 76ers, they're a bucket away from the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, a couple right. back-to-back seasons and they've kind of been at the precipice or at the cusp of of making it to the finals and they have kind of the the nucleus there what what we would think is the talent to to make it to the finals like a winning team they were the one seed in the east last year um, and ben simmons really hasn't proven much obviously this is an individual who was one of the most highly touted players coming out of high school, coming out of college. Uh, probably maybe since LeBron James, people were talking about how he has all the mm-hmm. tools, all the gifts. Um, and he's, he's a heck of a basketball player. He's an, he's an all-star level player. He's one of the best defenders in the league. Um, but outside of that, he hasn't, I think yeah. the, the knock on him is he, he, he is um, kind of shies away in those big moments. Doesn't want the ball in his hands. Yeah. He, he gave up yeah. his open layup. 
in one of the games. He doesn't want to be put in the free throw line. He hasn't improved his jump shot or his offensive game. So that the fans get frustrated. Yeah. People get frustrated in Philadelphia, as everyone knows, is a tough place to play. And it's at a point now where we don't know what's going to happen with regards to, to Ben Simmons. And it's just odd to me because um, no, I'll take that back, but I think Daryl Morey, I wanted to mention, he, he seems like one of the GMs um, that, that is a little bit, maybe a little bit more stubborn, a little bit more, more outspoken. And he's, if you guys remember, he's the one that spoke out against China. Um, so he's, he's willing to kind of put himself out there and maybe he was uh, not the right GM to tr- try to pull this, this move with um, Clutch and, and Ben Simmons's team. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. It, it really is not working out for Ben Simmons uh, at all. You know, I, you know, if you think about the, the strategy behind, like if you're an agent and you're, you're having to advise your client, you know, in this case, uh, Rich Paul is Ben Simmons' agent you're looking at a situation where, okay, you're locked into a deal, but you don't want to be here. He's got four years left in his contract, max contract. Yeah, exactly. Uh, contractually, you're obligated to do this. So, I mean, the only way this, this kind of, I shouldn't say the only way, I mean, but the, the way that this works as far as my, my recollection is you know, you sort of have to get like the kind of the public on your side in a sense, right? Like you have to, you have to almost like win in the, in the court of public opinion, right? As uh, like Skip Bayless often refers to. And, and in that way, you know, the media kind of gets behind you and, and then there's like pressure, right? That, that, the front office now has to kind of deal with outside noise distractions and stuff like that, that, you know, ultimately kind of becomes like, you know, this larger entity against, you know, the entity that would be the, the you know, that, that team, that organization, you know, and, and so leverage, right? Leverage ultimately works in your favor in that, in that instance. Um, because. Cause he, cause we're right in the wave. Right. Of the player empowerment movement. He's, he's trying to catch that wave. Exactly. But this has happened many times, right? This is like Kyrie Irving, right? Pulled this off. Um, at least once, you know, and, and he's not exactly a popular figure. So clearly it, it can be done and, and you can kind of get, you know, work your way out of it. But one thing you can't do is you can't get the public to turn, turn their back on you, right. To, to turn against you because then you lose all your leverage. Then you really have nothing to work with because no, there's no emotional plea at that point. Um, at that point, you you know, you really just kind of have to face the music and 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 you know, and play. You know, uh, you know, agree to the terms of the contract. You know, you you, you kind of have to like recognize when you've lost, right? Uh, and and just kind of play it safe. And they clearly, when they were having their conversations about this, you know, Rich Paul and and uh, or the Clutch team and ben simmons they they, they I, I i have to assume there was some miscalculations because this has really gotten ugly and not in ben simmons favor and i think he's in jeopardy now of almost kind of being disfavored by like you know other teams as well right in terms of like would he be able to get a you know a reasonable deal made elsewhere that would be anything close to like for example what he's making now or could you know stand to make 
mm-hmm. with the 76ers. Yeah. There's a couple of things I want to relate back to kind of mental fitness and where we always talked about. I think I'm glad that you mentioned like trying to get the public behind you. I think that's important because it's all about connection at the end of the day. You, I don't feel like anyone really is resonating with what Ben Simmons is trying to do. Like, and that's why we can't really get behind him is because no one feels like connected to his struggle in a way, because we don't really know what, what the issue is. There's a lot of Mm -hmm. unknown there. I think if we were, he were to come out and talk specifically about struggles he's having, say for instance, he was struggling with like mental health issues or, or anxiety in the, in those big situations, this is all speculative, but if you were to be open, honest about what's exactly going on, like what is the reasons why he doesn't want to go and play for this team? You can flat out say, I just, I can't stand being around Joel Embiid or something. At least like we could maybe some people, individuals could resonate with that a little bit and feel we can feel more connected to him. And, and that's what we like as fans, especially NBA players. They do such a good mm-hmm. job of marketing their players. When we feel connected right. to them, we, we feel like we know them and right. we really don't that's when we'll get behind them. Like even with the the James Harden situation, he just went to strip clubs and ate a, ate a bunch of food and got was over, came in out of shape and overweight. And people still kind of, that still resonated with people because oh, this is a person who won an MVP. This is a person for a lot, a lot of people thought he should have won back-to-back MVPs. Um, and someone who's one of the best offensive players in the history of our game, just announced on the top 75 of all time. And so he had money in the bank. Same with Anthony Davis. He won a national championship at Kentucky. He had legions of big blue fans following him when he came to the league. Number one pick overall, just like Ben Simmons, but has, had actually is, is had a lot of people behind him. And he was in an organization that really wasn't going anywhere. So people resonated with that. I don't see a lot of people resonating with Ben Simmons. So the connection piece is missing. And also the another piece that's missing is kind of that self-awareness piece where We've talked about this in other episodes where certain individuals can kind of overestimate their impact or, or how good of a player they are or what they deserve when it comes to team. Like I need to be the leader of this team or um, I need to play in this city. I think Ben Simmons mentioned he'd be okay with going to being traded to any of the California teams other than Sacramento. Like he's trying to pick his spot and do things that have been done before, but they've done by people like LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and James Harden. They haven't been done by individuals like him who hasn't really proven much yet. So there's maybe well, a lack of... I, you know what? Honestly, man, you're right about what he hasn't proven. But you know, to me, it, it's, it's deeper than that because to me, it, it, I don't even know if it has to always come down to what you've proven or you know what level of player you are you a franchise player you know all these these tags i I think it really comes down to um this this notion of gratitude this notion of gratitude and how when that gets lost in in terms of the endeavor you know whatever it is your goal is what you're going after i think that's that's what oftentimes will lead will lead you astray and what i mean by that is like one thing about LeBron James, since you brought uh, you brought up LeBron, and you know, of course, the player empowerment movement. What one thing I always admired about him, and when he's made these deals, made these moves, is that there was always something that he was was ultimately going after that was um, purposeful, right? That was purpose driven. It wasn't just about him. Right. It was it was about, okay, like, you know, 
I, for example, want to come back to Cleveland because I feel like, you know, I owe it to that city to win a championship for them, right? Like he had a very a purpose behind what he was doing. And of course, you know, his purpose in coming to LA was, you know, he wanted to become, you know, a person that was making films and, and entertainment uh, and, you know, using that platform, you know, creating a platform for himself as sort of a brand manager and, you know, brand ambassador and spokesperson uh, and now kind of marketing guru to, uh, to drive home, you know, uh, what, what has now become, you know, a pretty significant you know, billion dollar empire, right? That's um, really making a huge impact on many communities from education and, you know, uh, so all kinds of different things. But I've, I always loved that for him, you know, he was first of all willing to tell you exactly how he felt, right? He didn't just give his opinions about a, another player or about the system or, you know, things that he didn't care for, right? It was, hey, I've given, you know, what I've given, you know, all usually uh, is, you know, I think most would say is what LeBron's given to each of the teams that he's been a part of. But, you know, it, it's, I've given everything I have to the game. I love the game. You always, you know, every, every, almost every speech, he reminds the, the audience how much he loves the game of basketball, how much he just enjoys the game of basketball, how he does, he wakes up every day trying to be the best that he can be. And that's important to acknowledge as an athlete, right? Yeah, it's easy. I mean, yeah. LeBron at the end of the um, day has, has had the, the media sheet, machine behind him from day one, and rightfully so. We've never seen someone like him come straight out of high school before. So in a sense, it's been, and he was successful right away. Um, so it's, it's probably been fairly an easier journey for him once he was in the league versus someone like a, like a Ben Simmons, who obviously was, was people were trying to anoint him, but he his game wasn't, has, has never been at that level. So it's been a little bit more difficult for him. And I think it's just what happens here is like, you're right. Being more grateful and gratitude and appreciative of the, of the opportunity to play on a, a team who had the best record in the East last year, a championship caliber team with a championship caliber coach and, and then being, um, and then trying just, just communication at the end of the day, being able to, hey, and man. we don't know, we're getting, this is all filtered through the media that exactly. we're seeing filtered through player, uh, his teammates interviews and what have you. So we don't know the ins and outs and the details, but there does seem to be a lack of communication. And I think at the end of the day, communication is the most important thing. And speaking of which let's talk a little bit more about the Sixers and how, how are they handling this? Like we kind of heard Joel Embiid kind of toe the line and Doc Rivers kind of toe the line throughout the end of the, the struggle they had in the playoffs and then the off season, but not anymore. You, you, you had Joel come out straight up, say like, Oh, I forget what he said. Exactly. He's like, I don't care about that man. He doesn't want to. No, he said. I, he said. I'm not I, that man. I don't exactly. want to babysit. Exactly what he said. He said. I'm not thinking about that guy. He's basically what he's saying is I'm done with the guy. That's what he said. You know. I mean, he's just. That's. There's no. There's no. There's really no other way to put it. I mean, he's. He. He, he almost kind of made it plain in in the interview that they're happy with who they have now. They believe that uh, they're just as good. Um, if not better without him and uh, they're ready to move on, which is interesting because, uh, you know, 
Maury is, you know, kind of singing a different tune. I, I do think that the fact that there's different narratives, depending on who you're talking to on the, on the team, is problematic for the team. I think that they kind of need to maybe stop being public about, uh, you know, what needs to happen. You know, it's kind of gotten to a point now, though, man, where I feel like the commissioner needs to kind of get involved and, you know, yeah, settle I mean, this because it, it becomes too much of a kind of a media. Well, yeah, the um, questions are going to keep coming. So I, I like the idea of, hey, just answer them truthfully and eventually this will go away. But the teams have talked about it, Tobias Harris. Well, he's, he's either going to get suspended. Yeah. You know, a suspension may, may have to come because, you know, I, I don't. I don't really like it because here's the thing that Ben Simmons doesn't understand is that, you know, he has a lot of, of fans out here, some of which are young, young people, like young kids that they don't necessarily have everything figured out yet. And they see someone like him, they look up to him and they're following in his footsteps. You know, they, they think that, I mean, he basically normalizes this type of way of doing business with ha- with his Quitting? actions and i i don't think it sends the right yeah, message. i don't think it does either but i think they're they're looking yeah. at like what happened with james harden where he was the villain at the beginning of last season and then all is forgotten a few months later when he is like anointed like the the leader of the brooklyn nets so they're, they're hoping something like that happens for him but once again i don't think he's at that level so but we'll see we'll see if fresh starts are always good i think at the end of the day a fresh start would be good for for both well, parties you're right. Do you think that's possible? Do you, I mean, do you think that at this stage that he could actually be traded to a different team or, you know, whatever happens and, and then become like, like a hero or, or, or become, you know, like a, like where this would actually work out I mean, positively for him in the long I, run? I mean, he's, he's such a damn good basketball player. I think if he goes somewhere and he, he continues to play kind of like how he played, but gives maybe gives a little bit more effort in the, in the waning minutes. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I'll take him in at, for the Pacers. I mean, he's, he's, it's not like I'm gonna, you're going to cheer him on right away and go buy his jersey. But if he plays like he's played for the 76ers and he, he shows that he's working hard and he, he shows improvement in his game, then at the end of the, and he helps your team win. At the end of the day, winning kind of cures all, right? Yeah. No, you're. You know what? The, some very wise people have said that you know winning cures everything, right? It heals all, eases all wounds, right? Or you know whatever that you know that saying is. It. But I tell and you I, what, he better go to a West Western Conference team because he's not, he's not going to it's not going to get pretty when he ever has to go play in Philadelphia. Well, I believe that, but it's also a high stakes game because you you really do have to actually I think in his case he would actually have to go to a team and get that team like basically it would have to be taking that team to a completely different level like so if it is a championship level team they have to win the championship if they're you know a bottom feeder they have to get him into the playoffs like he has to do something heroic and it has to be because of his efforts he, he would have to completely reshape his image i think yeah uh, i would love him on this. a team like uh golden state where he could just be like the he doesn't even have to play any offense at all he can just kind of be a piece of that machine kind of fill a drain yeah. on green type role absolutely but, that's a that's a really good analogy i like that the draymond green role that makes perfect sense for him yeah all right so uh, i think everything we read about 
the seventy sixers team is they're ta- they're saying like I think we're mentally we're very stable. I, I think we have a lot of leaders. They're talking about like Tobias Harris, Danny Green, obviously Joel Embiid, Seth Curry. They they're they're saying that they feel good as a team, and I think they've kind of mentally moved on from having Ben Simmons. They have the ultimate like stable glue guy coach like raw raw and doc rivers which i think yeah. actually will help him in this situation he we all know he's not the best x's and o's guy but he's he is like the leader he is a a guy who's going to make sure everyone's on the same page and everyone cares for each other and he's going to have everyone's back he's your kind of prototypical or stereotypical players coach so i think in, in this situation that that should help um, with regards to kind of galvanizing this team and seeing if they can make another run. And I'll be interested. I, I hope they're able to trade him and get, get a good piece back. And Simmons is able to get his fresh start and, and earn his way back into to uh, a championship contention. But we'll, we'll see. But let's let's keep the ball rolling. Let's, uh, let's go over to the next most controversial team in the offseason that is adjusting without one of their best players. And this is play, is an even higher profile player than Ben Simmons. This is an NBA champion. This is someone who made the game winning shot. This is the Brooklyn Nets and Kyrie Irving. Hmm. Yeah, good old Kyrie, man. It's like every every season now for man it's, has been like four or five years straight. There's something out there in the news in the media that in like involving Kyrie Irving that's just kind of leaves a certain taste in your mouth. You know, that's just, it's not good. And I don't know, man, it, it's, uh, there's not a whole lot common about these not at two all. situations, but I think the co- common thread for me is that there's, there's a lack of ability to like communicate in both settings. I think Ben Simmons doesn't really do any talking or any communication versus Kyrie does some talking but it's hard to really make sense of what he's saying. <laughs> well, the details, the details are quite different. The personalities are different, but yeah, you're right. The common thread is uh, chemistry issues. Hence why, you know, we've, we've highlighted this topic, man, Kyrie. So yeah, he won that championship. You mentioned that he was the guy that won the, basically won the series, right? With the game winning shot in game seven uh, against the Golden State Warriors in 2017. And, and that he outperformed Curry. He's, he's yeah, it was in, right. He made the shot, right? Literally highlight reel in Curry's face. And, you know, it's, it was right. It's like one of the great shots of all time. And, and so he was on the mountaintop right alongside LeBron after that whole thing. And what did it, what, four years later, man, like Kyrie Irving, like his career up to this point has been so chaotic. And for a guy of his stature, and he really it hasn't really necessarily been exactly because of like physical injury, you know, obviously that happens for guys and it's really unfortunate. They get some, you know, like Clay Thompson, right? Bad injury, another injury, and you know, they can't play for a while. No, with Kyrie, it has been basically a string of chemistry kind of related issues that has primarily been the thing. He chose to leave LeBron. That Well, there you go. Yeah. And that has primarily been the thing that's kind of kept him 
off the court. Yeah, there's been some injury situation, but I mean, that hasn't, if you really look at the record of the last four years, it's just been just stuff related to him, you know, and kind of making decisions similar to Ben Simmons. What is similar uh, is the kind of the judgment, you know, sort of the way that they go about, um, you know, kind of, drawing their conclusions about what the best thing to do is what the what the right way to handle a situation is you know and that's why our program really does emphasize character and character strengths uh as kind of the foundation integrity is the foundation because you know mental fitness and performance you know like peak performance top performance like championship level performance that's something that really does require like you know folks that are accountable right that are accountable to their team uh not just to themselves and people that are reliable right that you know they you know what to expect right um you know they're dependable they show up right they're ready they're available you know some of the legends say you know the best ability is, is availability you know and, and 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 that's that's real as it relates to team sports you know you got to show up for your teammates even if you can't necessarily play right if you're injured everybody understands that but you got to be there you know to support you know to do what you can whatever you can do you guys are all in this together right that's how that's how you know it's how it's what it comes down to and um it's it's just if you know if you can't get there if that's not kind of what you're made of then it's going to be very difficult to really you know certainly won't have the the mental fitness that would be championship caliber yeah it's it's, it's a difficult situation there's so many different factors and things we can discuss about this um we I think communication, kind of situational awareness, self-awareness, you mentioned kind of integrity and values. I think this, and this is what Kyrie's talked about is wanting to kind of stay true to what feels good for him. That was a specific quote. It's about being true to what feels good for me. Mm. And that would ideally kind of resonates with what his internal values are. Right. Um, he said he wants to give a voice, believes he's the voice, quote unquote, the voice of the voiceless people forced to take the vaccine to keep their jobs and so that's kind of where he's aligning with regards to his values i think for me it doesn't really add up doesn't really make a whole lot of sense yeah well because that's not his team his team those guys in the court you know that he's connected to by virtue of contract by virtue of the blood sweat and tears you know they put into the game like his friends in some cases right <clears throat> that's who he's yeah. really accountable to and uh and they had to take the vaccine yeah. right yeah and then and then i mean we can get into the hundreds of thousands of people who have died from covid how it's impacted negatively more so negatively impacted the uh, uh economically disadvantaged and it's negatively impacted minorities more so than than anyone else so he's a he's a voice for the people who are losing jobs not necessarily a voice for the people who are, are dying of COVID, 
obviously it's a, it's, it's a tricky thing because it's, and I don't want to get too far into the talking about getting vaccinated, but it, it's a, it's an individual decision, but it's a public health concern. It's a public health issue. So when you make a decision to get vaccinated, yes, it's about protecting yourself, but it's more so about protecting those around you, your family, your loved ones, your community, and, and people at large, because that's the primary mm -hmm. end goal of getting mm -hmm. vaccinated. And, and people, players have mentioned like Jonathan Isaac, the Orlando Magic Power Four, were very articulate in talking about how he feels like he's young and healthy. He's already had COVID. He's already has a good immune response base of having COVID. And he doesn't feel like he needs it, the vaccine, but I think he doesn't mention anything about the public health issue about how getting vaccinated is going to decrease your chance of spreading it to other people. So I just wanted to harp on the fact that it's, it's a public health issue. And a lot of people are talking about, well, we should have freedom of choice. And, and I side with that as well. And it's, it's, it's difficult. I would, I just would hope everyone would have kind of the knowledge or, or the ability yeah. to find someone who they trust, who knows more about public health, whether that's a physician or an immunologist or yeah. someone who works in public health right. to trust them and ask them questions about what are your thoughts about the vaccine? What are your thoughts about if me taking it, like what, are, what how is that going to benefit? Who's that going to benefit? And that's just kind of an aside, but an important note to make. And, and with regards to yeah. kind of Kyrie, what Kyrie's right. saying, um, essentially, if I can kind of see it, I think he's, what he's saying is what he wants to, have the autonomy to make the decision for himself. He doesn't feel like he should be mandated to, to take a vaccine in order to play, play basketball. And then people will clap back on that saying, well, you're getting paid handsomely to play a game and, and all your brothers, all your teammates got vaccinated and you're kind of leaving them out to dry um, because of your, your valuing your own individual choices your own, your, uh, your own individual ability to make a decision. Cause we can go back and forth about how, is it more important to, to value individual freedoms or is it more important to value public health? And I think we all are on the same page with regards to, you shouldn't be able to drink and drive because yeah. that's dangerous. You should wear a seatbelt when you're in the car. Um, we were all on the same page when we were getting our mumps, rubella, and measles vaccines before going to score a polio vaccine, so on and so forth. So we're definitely not on the same page here. It's become a political issue, but more so. So, so there's all these different angles you can go about it, talking about it. And I don't want to get lost in that. I want to focus more on the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. And at the end of the day. But you're right. I mean, you're absolutely right about the fact that it, it has become a political issue and and that's i think really where things started to go off course you know and i think for that reason there is another side that um you, you, we do have to at least acknowledge uh in terms of you know a relevant voice which is that i think because it 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 really started out even as a political issue where our, our top level politicians were driving all of the narratives around what needed to happen and ultimately how to, you know, deal with this crisis. Um, I think the misinformation, you know, that started with mask wear, that started with, you know, or that uh, ensued with 
like the president himself promoting you know, fake uh, treatments and, and treatments that actually could be quite harmful for the condition, uh, just to all, it's just, there's so many different things. Yeah, yeah. it's a, it's the, the hydroxychloroquine, the ivermectin, yeah. these aren't proven study treatments for this specific illness, monoclonal antibodies, the science is fluid. Yes, the science is fluid. But remember when people were thinking about, okay, well, I'm protecting others, by wearing the mask, right? And the mask, everything was about the mask last year. And then as soon as Big Pharma got involved, everything shifted, the whole narrative, you know, and, and that's the thing about the America, about America, right? Everything has to be promoted and it has to be commercialized in order to be promoted. It's a function of a capitalistic society. And so what we saw was this shift in resources and information from masks, right? And the importance of masks, everybody wear a mask, everybody, you know, mask here, mask there, mask everywhere, here and there, everywhere. Um, then all of a sudden it became about the vaccine. And it was just almost like a, an, uh, it's the same narrative, right? Structurally speaking, uh, and the same mechanisms and in terms of information being, you know, basically coming, from the top, from the politicians, and then funneled through media outlets. And now it seemed like Big Pharma was going to be, be getting paid, you know, and, you know, it, people start to question that. And I, and I think one other lesson that we could learn here is that, I mean, transparency has to, has to really, has to come on both sides, has to work on both sides. You know, I, I think, like in the case of the, the Brooklyn Nets uh, as an organization, uh, and the 76 as, as an organization, um, just like you compare them to the federal government, you know, the, the narratives have to be clear, have to be consistent, and the message to be transparent on both sides from the beginning. And I, I know that these situations aren't all on, for example, you know, Ben Simmons, right? It's not entirely his responsibility, you know, in terms of why we got to where we are, um, you know, we, we, I don't need to kind of go into the, the history, but, you know, obviously there are many things said behind closed doors uh, that we're you know, probably not even aware of. And what was said publicly was, was pretty bad in of itself in terms of, you know, shattering someone's confidence, you know, that they could really truly, you know, be a team player, right, for that city um you know after how last season ended you know but the point i'm making is when the transparency works on both sides i think you know that's when chemistry can really happen right that's when chemistry can kind of unfold and when it works best right when those bonds you know are super tight right covalent bonds and and uh and that's how it has to happen and i think that there just has not been great communication uh, on, on either side, whether it's, you know, Kyrie and his, you know, plight, right, for, you know, saving the world from, you know, this conspiracy, or, you know, Ben Simmons, and, you know, of course, this, this whole saga with his contract, yeah. and, you know, playing for that team. But either way, I think communication is, is what was at stake here. Yeah, yeah, it all, I feel like at the end of the day, every problem can be solved with communication, because, 
it, and maybe the NBA didn't do the right thing because I think it was kind of late. It was kind of late in the game for them to say, oh, you have to have the vaccine. And maybe it was Kyrie's understanding and the Brooklyn Nets understanding that he would wouldn't necessarily have to take it. And then there was thoughts about, oh, I can play yeah. the away games. And then it kind of it's kind of unraveled from there. And then we don't have there's no final decision on this yet. I think last piece about the the kind of the whole vaccination issue obviously has become politicized. People by and large, a lot of people don't trust the government or anything that's associated with the government or anything associated with big pharma. Um, I, but I think the two, that's one of the biggest issues. The second issue is people's just lack of general understanding about how public health works and how vaccines work. We're fortunate enough to have studied immunology in medical school. For sure. We're fortunate enough to be physicians and, and kind of gen- have a general sense on how p- public health works when it comes to not only vaccinations, but, but mitigating infectious diseases um, by and large. And um, I and, think- And your wife's an infectious disease expert, so that helps. Yeah, she works at UCLA <laughs> as well. So, so I can always stay up to date with the most um, real-time evidence-based science. Um, and yeah, CDC's kind of sent mis- mis- mixed messages at times, but like you said, the science is coming and, and hopefully, um, there can be more and more clear messaging. I think at the end of the day, um, what I hope comes from all this, obviously bigger than the Kyrie situation is improved public education when it comes to public health at the end of the day, um, in our schools. So people can feel more equipped with, with a better foundation and, and more confidence in their knowledge of, of what public health is and how vaccines work. Um, because it, it is, it's an, we're all connected through, um, we're all connected in this life. We have to interact with each other in person. So if we all have a better understanding on how our individual behaviors and our individual choices impact our neighbors with something with regards to like wearing a mask to prevent droplets or um, where, or getting a vaccine to prevent an infection, a pandemic or to ease a pandemic, I think, that would be that would be amazing and there wouldn't have to be mandates if if we were all kind of on the same page with regards to that and we all had the confidence to feel like oh i i, I kind of get this i know i know what a vaccine does i know that there's not going to be mm-hmm. uh, 10 there's not gonna be gene damage within me 10 yeah. years from now based off my own immune response to it to a vaccine um that's that piece i kind of want to i don't know do you want to touch on that or put that to bed i want to just talk- I, I just wanted to say that uh gratitude I just wanted to bring it back to that is uh is really the the part that brings it home because going back to something you mentioned earlier you do it for the the family the community right the team it's not just about you right that's really the key to understanding public health if you can kind of get there in, in terms of your awareness of, of why all this matters, then I think it, you know, it, it starts to, it starts to come to life, right? Public health means, you know, what we're dealing with is communicable, right? So if I have it, that means that other people can get it too, right? So the prevention strategy becomes, let's, if enough of us, right, can, you know, essentially avoid infection, then, you know, we can essentially prevent the spread, right? Uh, in such a 
widespread way, in such a way that uh, the virus would not would no would no longer have enough hosts to survive. Right, that's the whole point uh, of you know what herd immunity is about, um, and what we're ultimately trying to achieve. Because when you have a vaccine, right, everybody can can essentially be a part of that. Yeah. And they don't necessarily have to be exposed. And I hope natural immunity can help as well for other individuals who don't want to get the vaccine. Let's just do, a, I want to do a quick analogy. Mm-hmm. Let's say like we're a team as society. We're, we're this team, we're, go, we're pursuing a championship. And in order to win that championship, to make that last second shot, we all have to get vaccinated. So this is a team dynamic issue. Individuals who aren't getting vaccinated, they're, they're maybe like, well, I don't want to throw Ben Simmons under the bus, but they're the individual that's, that's uh, not shooting the wide open layup. They're the individual that's walking out of bounds. So stay on the court, do what your teammates need you to do to get this victory. So we can all get through this, get to the other side and win that championship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> anyway, way. So- but you know, if I, if I just can just say this one thing before we close this, this, uh, this chapter, it is kind of interesting how when the leadership the political leadership of this country really started to to talk about like how we needed to as a, as a country uh combat this thing you know the the treatment strategy uh was ultimately very much focused on physical barriers physical symptoms right the impact obviously on on your you know respiratory system um, but then also how we need to be you know distanced right physically distanced and and how we need to have these kind of barrier protections right and and everything was always about you know how this was going to affect our physical bodies that was what you know and i'm sure that's exactly what you know kind of the narrative was back in the 19 you know, 20s when, you know, influenza was, was the primary issue. Cause that's, that's what people always kind of connect with illness is like, okay, I don't want to die. You know, I don't, I don't want to, you know, have respiratory distress. You know, I don't want to have these kinds of things. So what do I got to do to protect my physical body? Well, I think what this disease proved, at least to me, is that you can't stop there, especially not in today's world, where we're all connected through things like social media. So we know what each other are doing. We know we can talk, you know, and communicate instantaneously, right? On whatever's going on. We're, you know, every moment of every day, we know exactly what the COVID numbers are, right? And how many of our brothers and sisters out here have either died or been infected. And, you know, and so really now more than ever, you know, it, it's, it's one of these things where you have to be able to address the mental health, right? The impact on everyone's emotional experience, right? In our, in our, in our moods, you know, how we feel, our dispositions, our attitudes, um, you know, those are the things that really impact people's lives. Yeah, sure. The physical, no one wants to, you know, have difficulty breathing and you know, stuff like that. And no one wants to have, what is it, problems with their taste, you know, buds and stuff like that. And their ability to smell and taste and things. I mean, that sucks, right? But what, what sucks even more is, you know, be, kind of being cooped up, 
right, for months and not being able to really connect with your friends and family um, and in uh, suicide, right? Suicide is, is something that you can't come back from. And that's something we've also seen elevate at a high level through this tragedy um, just because, you know, depression and, and adjustment disorders are, are, are going to be at an all time high. But it's just interesting to me how so few of the narratives in terms of the top level strategists, you know, for prevention, they, they just, they weren't about at least, you know, enough about, you know, how do we take care of each other emotionally? How do we support one another in terms of our experiences? You know, how do we really connect together despite right all of this that, that's kind of going on with the physical world around us yeah that's a whole nother conversation so let's look at the silver linings with Kyrie out for the Brooklyn Nets we have an emergence of a new leader and mm. who knows we don't we, we didn't even know who the leader was for the Nets coming into the season I think a lot of people maybe assumed it would have been Kevin Durant but in all all the uh everything I'm hearing and reading and all the talk is that uh, James Harden is their new leader is that leader in that clubhouse. Um, and uh, I have a couple quotes and essentially this, this Brooklyn Nets team now has, is like still, it's kind of similar to the Lakers. They put a lot of these pieces together. Um, a lot of new pieces this year. Um, everyone that came in last year is this, they're only in their second year. So they're ha- they have 12 new faces on the 17 man roster this year. Um, and one less old face with Kyrie Irving not there. Um, and James Harden's kind of stepped up. He said he's been taking, trying to get the guys together for dinners, hangouts. He said he's the loudest person. He's naturally loud. And he, he'll, he's trying to get like people like Paul Millsap, LaMarcus Aldridge, Patty Mills, KD, to open up a little bit because they're a little bit more quiet. Um, so he's, he's much more vocal than Kevin Durant and, and Kyrie Irving. So he's, he's the de facto leader of that team. Um, and everyone's saying like he's the guy that's always talking. Um, so I'm interested to see how that, how that comes to fruition. Cause I think with the Rockets, absolutely, um, it, the best team they had when, when Chris Paul was there, they made their deepest run and, and most likely, I mean, probably should have beaten the, the Warriors if Paul didn't get hurt. Um, I'm not sure, sure if he, he was the leader of that team, maybe Chris Paul was, but it'd be interesting to see if he steps up and I'm fascinated for that. And then I'm also fascinated. I think Kevin Durant. It is fascinating. Yeah. I think Kevin Durant is, I think we kind of know his style at this point going to, to Golden State um, to kind of just fit in with the boys and win a couple titles and then coming here to, to the Nets with, with Kyrie and then bringing in James Harden. I think he's an individual who doesn't care to be the leader. I think he's an individual that's just, he wants to be the closer. He wants to be the silent assassin that gets his buckets. He wants the ball at the end of the game but he's not going to be the vocal leader. He's not going to be someone who is necessarily the alpha dog on the team. He's just someone that's going to get in there and do his job and then tweet out his tweets. Yeah. So he's, he's sort of like a, a, sane, a, saner, a saner version of Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> you know, Kawhi, uh, I, I mean, look, he's, he's obviously great. Um, I think one of the reasons why he has not won uh, more championships, he probably could win more, um, is because of the fact that he is not more of a vocal leader. I think, you know, if that's something that he were ever able to, not so much a vocal leader, I should say, but just, you know, a person that 
we're we're more willing to engage, uh, you know, not so guarded. I think he actually, you know, could be, you know, right up there with Giannis, Katie, and all those guys. Yeah, but. I think Katie also tries to be a glue guy too, um, to a certain extent, because he's always having people's backs on on Twitter. But he's he, yeah, because we even saw that with Golden State. He's not he's not the alpha. He he butted heads with Draymond Green, who we've talked about before, who's kind of the emotional leader of that team. Um, and Steph is like the de facto, like calm, cool, collected leader. And then Katie just kind of played his role. So I think yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see if Harden, with Harden and KD and the surrounding cast, if, if that's enough for them to win it all, which they were a centimeter away from from beating beating the Bucks and the, the champions. Um, so I, it may be enough. They may not need Kyrie, but I think in order for them... A centimeter away. In order for them to, to take um, it to that next level, I think one of those two guys has to evolve into something that he's he's never done before. KD has to become the maybe the leader on the court or James Harden becomes not only the leader off the court but also on the court and they they both kind of have to raise their game because they neither of them have won a title as the lead dog, the number one go-to guy. See, that's the problem, man. I mean, I you know, I I I I don't I mean from a team chemistry standpoint I don't love the fact that Harden is emerging as the leader of that team. And I say that because Harden has not won an NBA championship and he has not even been to an NBA finals. And in this league, that's really, I think, kind of the barometer, right? Like you have to at least have smelled, you know, tasted a championship, you know, whether you've been, you know, even if you, you know, made it, maybe that would give you enough cachet, right? Or even if you made it, maybe that would give you, you know, enough respect. So, you know, KD is basically the guy on that team uh, that, you know, from what I can, yeah, no, there's no other guy on that team who has that kind of brass. Um, you know, well, here, here we go. Here's the formula. Maybe it's, it's the Toronto Raptors formula where Kawhi was the only one with championship experience on that team. Danny Green as well, but so he had some experience, but Kawhi was the hired gun and he kind of raised the level of everyone else on that team. I think we would agree that the the leader on that team was Kyle Lowry and he had never sniffed at NBA finals before. So maybe that's the type of recipe you got here with, with KD, with the confidence that he's won a championship. He's performed well because he's the NBA finals MVP. So he's no slouch. So he's definitely going to be able to get it done, but in order for him to be able to, do what he does, which is make buckets and score with the best of them. He went mano a mano with LeBron James and outplayed him. Granted, he was in that kind of cool, calm, holding environment with the Golden State Warriors. Harden has to be that consistent leader, kind of like Steph was, kind of like and, and mm. people like Blake Griffin, Paul yeah. Millsap, right. Marcus Aldridge have to step up and be like fill that that uh, Draymond Green role. Or the, they're the right. junkyard dogs. They're going to take on because all these guys like Paul Millsap. He's been an all-star before. He's been a huge contributor to teams. He can do the dirty work. People like Blake Griffin, LaMarcus Aldridge, they've been all-stars. Um, they've been leaders of their teams at times, and they need to take on these secondary roles, and they need to do the dirty work and get the job done. They need to have all these other guys like Joe Harris, Patty Mills, be consistent, hit jump shots, and Bruce Brown's another kind of junkyard dog. So they, ha- they have a lot of interesting pieces. It's just a matter of, they have the talent. It's just a matter of James Harden, Kevin Durant, 
who's going, I think the wild card here is James Harden. If he can emerge as the leader, like what they're talking about, and you see that on the court and you see him lead at the end of games, because you know, Katie's going to, if he's healthy, he's going to drop 30 easy, but you need James Harden to be right there with him. I, I, I agree. I definitely agree with everything you're saying. You know, I, I just, you know, the thing is, um, to me, in order to, to, to get a championship done, you have to have championship pedigree. What championship pedigree means is that this person has been to the mountaintop. So you have actually seen what that is, right? You have felt that, it, you know, what it, what it feels like. You've, you've tasted it. And that makes you, in my opinion, like fundamentally different as an athlete, as a performer, once you've achieved that milestone, just based on just this, you know, the, the psychological impact of, of having made that accomplishment and now having that confidence that comes along with that. Um, and with, you know, great players like James Harden, you know, the one thing that does become a question is like, does, does their inability to really be able to see the full vision of what that finished line really truly looks like, um, you know, could that hinder their ability to truly be the best leader for this team? And here's why I say this. We talk about in our program that one of the keys to mental fitness is defining your sort of vision, right? Like you to see, you know, the, the end, right? Before you actually get there and then kind of defining sort of the steps in between before, you know, kind of incrementally uh, along the way as you go along, right? But you have to kind of understand where you're going to orient yourself, to, you know, onto your target. And, you know, this team has championship aspirations, right? It's basically championship or a bust, right? So if that's really truly what your wellness vision is, then provided you have a leader that has been there before that can see that, that has that vision, knows that that's like, that can actually really kind of construct the vision for that, you know, for the other players that have not had that experience, unless you have that leader that's, that can do that. I don't see how it can really be done, you know, in a way that, you know, at least in this league with this level of talent out here and these, these great teams and competitors, you know, how it can truly, how you can truly get to the finish line. And so um, Kevin Durant, I think has to still be in, in, you know, he can't be the guy that he was at Golden State, right? There can't be like a Draymond Green, for example, that would mute him in the conversation. You know, he has to be the guy, I think, at the end of the day that has the final word and that really sets the tone because he's been to the mountaintop and, and that's where they're trying to go, you know, so they have to be able to orient themselves firmly onto that goal. And I think he has the comfort. He should have like the, the space to do that because he's not fighting with a young up and coming Russell Westbrook for lead dog. And he's not joining a, our a championship team. So I'm, I'm excited about that. And we'll see. Cause uh, obviously I think with Kyrie Irving, they would be hundred percent would be my pick coming out of the East because then you do have 
not only one, but two yeah. superstars who have won, or I mean, Kyrie didn't win the NBA finals MVP very well could have, but two guys who performed like had legendary finals performances and won NBA finals. And That's then right. you add in all these other guys. So we'll wrap this up soon. I want to, there's a few, obviously those are the two big storylines with regards to team dynamics. Let's not forget Steve Nash, by the way, someone who's kind of been to the mountaintop two-time MVP has made it to Western conference finals several times, kind of got screwed out of some, which as a Suns fan hurt me. Um, but he's another guy who I think, yeah, obviously a new coach seems seemingly to be a player's coach, seemingly someone who's good with communication. We'll see how, how his, his impact, because I know him and KD are buddy-buddy, and that maybe that synergy right there is going to help Kevin Durant elevate his leadership style to not only just lead by example, but someone may, who maybe is going to be more vocal. And maybe James Harden, who's encouraging KD to speak up more, is going to also be, be more helpful to, to really turn this team into a, a championship-caliber team. Indeed. Yeah, man. So let's talk quickly about couple other headlines the suns right now the, the team that was a couple wins away from a title they right now they signed two new players to, to new deals mikhail bridges rookie extension landry shamit rookie extension he wasn't even on their team last year so a couple key pieces especially mikhail bridges but the thing right now is they're refusing their owner who's been known to be a little um kind of shy with his checkbook is not wanting to currently pay deandre ayton um the deal he wants which is the max which is quite a bit for for a center position. But at the end of the day, this is someone who excelled in the playoffs last year. Yes, Giannis gave him a hard time. Giannis has given everyone a hard time. So I'm, I'm curious to see how this impacts this team because once Chris Paul came in, you saw Aiden kind of raise his game to a new level with the leadership Chris Paul brought on because Chris Paul was kind of just – like really pushing him really, really hard. And, and we showed how, how much better he got. So – I don't think I have concerns with regards to the looming contract issues because of Chris Paul, because of the emergence of Devin Booker and because Aiton um, really can kind of just do his thing. He'll get, end up getting paid at some point. So I don't think it's necessarily going to be an issue because now this team has experience. This team has a bona fide leader and this team has a bona fide closer in Devin Booker and Aiton at the end of the day, he needs to play his role in order for them to make it back to the championship. He needs to up his game as well because he's going to ha probably have to face a healthy Lakers team this year. But I don't necessarily see this as an issue. Do you feel like this could be an issue? Well, you know, it's <laughs> the Aiden situation is interesting to me because uh, so former number one pick and, you know, like the, we've talked about the whole like draft position thing and, and how it really does impact kind of how a, a player kind of perceives themselves um you know it can certainly impact the way that like other players and and teams and uh front offices perceive that individual because of the expectations that come because if you're a second round guy in the nba the expectations are that you're, you're going to be kind of i guess no more valuable than a, a accessory you're not going to make piece. the loss right or? yeah i mean the, at best you would be you know a a guy coming off the bench that, you know, can produce, you know, um, that can get, you know, whatever in the rotation. Right. Um, so if on the other hand, you over, you're, you're going to be, cause they're overachieving 
uh, right? If you make the team and then especially if you get like big minutes and if you're a starter, oh my God, right? Then you're like, you're, you're like, you know, it's like, it almost like elevates your status in a sense to where maybe, you know, people think you're better than you really are. But then there's, there's this other side where, I mean, for a number one pick, right? The expectation is you're going to, you're the best guy in your draft class. If you're not the best player in the end, at the end of your career, if you weren't the best in your draft class, then it, it, you, it doesn't matter. Even if you, there was one guy better than you, you were essentially a bust, right? Because you only take that guy, number one, uh, you know, because you believe that they're the best player and that, you know, they're, they're going to be kind of generational talents, you know, this, that, and the other. I mean, the only exceptions would be, of course, in situations where you just, you know, happen to be from an exceptional draft class and, you know, it was still uh, a great legendary player, but, you know, they're just kind of other guys that are also on that level. In DeAndre Aiden's case, you know, I, it's, it's really, obviously, he's still very new to the game of basketball. I think he had to sit his first year out, or excuse me, he's very new to the NBA. I think he even had to sit his first year out. So, you know, he still has a lot of growing up to do. Um, I believe this is probably going to be his third full season. Is that correct? So, you know, he, he obviously has a lot of room to grow. And, uh, and so his, uh, you would imagine that his story, you know, is, is still very much unwritten. But having said that, would you say that he has lived up to the, the potential of a number one pick? I would say probably not. Um, I would say, yeah, you could probably, I think he showed it for me in the playoffs that, well, he showed flashes, he showed flashes. Um, he did show flashes. I'll give you that, but you know, would you say that he's on the same trajectory for instance, as AD was AD is a unicorn, you know, his third, fourth year. And I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't say so AD was not winning, but then again, AD was not, was asked to be the, the best player on his team. Right. Whereas as you, as you pointed out, DeAndre Aiden only has to be the third best player on his team. So, you know, very, very different circumstances. And, you know, in the case of AD, I mean, you're talking about a guy that was already kind of a turn of the league was, you know, at least statistically speaking, you know, I think top two or three big men in the league, uh, you know, by that point. And, you know, I think he had already led his team independent uh like or led his team to the playoffs and i think even got a game on the warriors by that point so i would i could i imagine deandre aiden being on that pelicans team that ad led to the to the uh you know the the playoffs in his third year um could i see deandre aiden duplicating that i don't i don't see that i actually think that he he has not shown me enough in terms of leadership, uh, in terms of, you know, kind of being a guy that's like, Hey, you know, I'll take on that challenge and, um, and I'll, I'll put the team on my back. I haven't really seen that from him. One of the things that stands out for me, speaking of last year's playoff run, uh, Wooten said it best, man. Um, greatness is being able to, to, to play at your best, to be at your best. It's mentally and physically 
when your best is required. I mean, he was guarding the uh, Joker, putting it to him. Yeah, no, you're right. You know, I'll give you that. He 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 did. He did. After that pep talk, right? After that pep talk with uh, Chris Paul, you're right. He did. But he, yeah, I don't want to spend too much time on him because he's going to, he doesn't have to be AD. He just has to be decent. But yeah, so I think, I think, I think they'll be fine. Um, I wanted to touch on the, let's touch quickly on the LA teams because there's a lot going on there. Briefly for the Clippers, Kawhi Leonard, another mysterious injury obviously he got the the acl repair we'll see if he comes back but hopefully there's a little bit more communication in in that regard than there has been in the past with regards to to Kawhi injuries ideally he can get back for the playoffs and we can see a little uh obviously paul george did pretty decent last year in the playoffs so maybe they can make some noise and when they get back but let's let's end it up by talking about the los angeles lakers the thing I want to talk about with them specifically with regards to team dynamic, because this is about team dynamics is they, they brought in three former alphas. Mm-hmm. And I want to start with Dwight Howard, obviously NBA defensive player of the year, led his magic team to the NBA finals, lost to Kobe Bryant, but this is a guy and they took out, he took out LeBron that year, by the way. He sure did. This is a guy who, People talked about him being one of the best players in the NBA. I think it was third in MVP voting that year. Um, the next Shaq. And he's someone who fell out of favor very quickly. But then he kind of reinvented himself. Over the, jumped around to so many different teams over so many different years. But over the last couple of seasons, specifically two years ago when he was with the Lakers, kind of reinvented himself and was able to do the dirty work, get the rebounds, block shots, play good defense, hustle, getting people's faces. and disrupt people he played his role on a championship team so he he was able to shift and do what he needed to do for the team to win and not not continue to to be the alpha or feel like he needed to be the alpha it took him a while carmelo anthony another guy who was the alpha in new york and denver and then kind of fell out of favor was out of the league for a whole year kind of blackballed reinvented himself up in portland came off the bench shooter scorer hustle guy, rebounder, and decided if I'm going to play for a championship caliber team or a good team, I need to play a different role. I can't be the go-to alpha. So he, those two have already proven it. Former alphas, former number one guys for the team, taking secondary roles for the betterment of the team. Now we add in the third piece. This is someone who's never, who's all, who's always saw himself as the alpha, even though he's been with other quote-unquote alphas. In Oklahoma City with Kevin Durant, they butted heads. Kevin Durant leaves, he wins MVP, but his team really doesn't do that good. He, then he goes to Houston Rockets. James Harden's there. They don't really do much of anything. Then he goes to Washington. Kind of has a resurgence there a little bit. Him and Beal, they make some noise, get taken out in the first round. So he's the person I'm most intrigued about because he has yet to fill a, a different role than that alpha go-to scorer. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that is my concern about these Lakers teams because he's someone who's always done his best when he has the ball in his hands, when a lot of action goes through him, when he's filling up the stat sheet, he's out there, he's playing big minutes, and he's got the ball in his hands. So is he going to well, be able to transition listen, his game and find himself as a role player for these Lakers team? I, I Yeah, I – 
you're right, but I would actually go a step further and say that he's done his best. Not necessarily with the ball in his hands, because I mean he's had some pretty uh, you know bad seasons with the ball in his hands. It, it actually is when he has supreme confidence and certainly having the ball in his hands and him being able to sort of just kind of have a green light, um, which is precisely what he had with uh, with OKC. And you know a lot of people think that 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 MVP was all about the fact that he averaged a triple double. Honestly, it wasn't just about that. Russ dominated the league that year. Like I, I remember I watched so many of those games. I was so impressed. You know, it, I mean, people are going to call me crazy, but the, I mean, he looked like Allen Iverson out there. Like he was, I mean, he was taking, it looked like that year that LeBron uh, went to took took the uh, the Cavs to the finals um, in 2007, where they beat you know the Detroit Pistons, who had won a championship. Uh, I think a few years before that, like he, dude, Russell Westbrook played out of his mind, and he was actually relatively efficient. You know, like his numbers weren't. You know, his, his shooting averages are never going to be great. Because uh, he's a high volume shooter, but I'm telling you, man, he was making buckets. He was uh, he scored over 30 points a game, and it was the difference was he was so confident. That was the year, if you guys recall, where uh, right before after KD left, right when KD signed with the Warriors, and really Russ actually kind of emerged at least within OKC as kind of a hero, right? And KD a bit of a villain. Um, and you know, that was Russ's team and they pretty much just gave him the keys to the kingdom. And I think it was sort of like one of these things where for him, his confidence was now based on the fact that he believed that because the front office made that decision, that decision was also a decision of, Hey, Russ, we believe in you, right? We choose you over KD. And he took that and ran with it. And that year he played out of his mind if he can find a way to capture that type of confidence i don't know how um he is back home so maybe you know if he can find maybe something some inspiration in that you know to kind of like find that place within but he has it i've seen it i don't see that he's necessarily less physically so much less physically gifted now than he was back then if he can find that confidence and that mental focus that comes with that confidence uh, again, here in LA, watch out, watch out, man. The Lakers are going to be a force, uh, cause he was so dominant that year mm-hmm. and, um, it was impressive to watch. I wanted to read a, a, a quote or a line from Phil Jackson's, uh, autobiography, 11 rings. And he was, this is talking about Kobe transforming from a kind of a selfish demanding player into a leader of his teammates that a leader that his teammates wanted to follow. And he says, leadership is not about forcing your will on others. It's about mastering the art of letting go. So I think mm. something like that could resonate with a wow. Russell Westbrook, as I'm sure it did with someone like Carmelo Anthony, is really letting go to the idea that I need to be the leader. I need to be the guy with the ball in the hands. And once you let go of that idea, then it's so much easier to kind of mold into whatever your team needs you to do to win a championship. And now 
Vogel obviously has the championship experience, someone who's been highly successful pretty much everywhere he's gone, I guess, except for the Magic, but he was successful for the Pacers. I think, and then obviously LeBron James, mm. the, the de facto player coach, um, is there. So I think it's something, it's a... That was a beautiful quote, man. Uh, wow. It's an it's a environment, it's a holding environment. We bring that up a lot where it should allow... Um, it should be easy for Russ to, to let go and, and kind of play his role. I just like it was easy for Dwight Howard and it should be easier for Carmelo Anthony to come in there and do the same thing. My question is, is at this point, obviously Le- LeBron's get a little long in the tooth. Is it time that AD takes the step up and, and becomes the kind of de facto go-to yeah, guy well, on the court? That's the key. Uh, a lot of people are focused on Russell Westbrook in, in, in their analysis of the Los Angeles Lakers chances this year. And, and rightfully so uh, he's the new, he's a new guy in town and right. The AD and LeBron have already proven together. They can win a championship, but my focus is actually on AD because I ha- I do see that uh, the, I mean, LeBron's still great, but I do see that he is sort of in this phase now where he kind of wants to take a, a step back in terms of, you know, putting on all the, that the load, you know, that he once uh, was so willing to, to, to do, you know, there's going to be a little bit of a minutes restriction this year. It sounds like, and it's probably needed, right? Because there has been a, a, a negative trend, right? The last couple of years, he's, you know, had these injuries, he's missed several games. That's clearly not something that, uh, he's used to, and it, I mean, we have to be honest, it's probably a sign of aging, right? And because he wants to sustain, he has a lot of goals that he still, he, he still wants to achieve. He really, they, I mean, they have no other choice, but to preserve him so that he can really just be fresh for the, the playoffs. Cause that's where it all counts. So AD has to be the guy to take him to the promised land, you know, in terms of, for example, being a number one seed. Right. And he's got to put on the, you know, essentially, you know, those big minutes and, you know, play big and big moments in a tough Western conference in order to win the number of games necessary, you know, to be competitive. Cause listen, last year proved like you don't want to start off, you know, playing like the top teams, you know, especially if you don't necessarily have great team chemistry and this team is not going to have great team chemistry because they're just trying to figure it out. Most of the guys are new, obviously, you know, very few of the guys have high level, uh, you know, championship experience that are going to be primary players. So, you know, it's going to take, you know, a lot of, you know, just really will to win uh, and leadership, you know, I think to, to kind of bring this home and, and, you know, mental, mental fitness, to kind of compensate for what they're going to lack in, in terms of reps, right. In terms of just sort of like muscle memory, you know, from having played together for so many years, like, you know, teams like the Golden State Warriors, um, you know, so Milwaukee Bucks. it's going to be interesting and the Milwaukee Bucks, yeah. no doubt. So that's, the, that's the challenge. So I think going back to those mental fitness principles of everyone can kind of take a step back, be first off, be self-aware and then be aware of the situation and communicate in order to connect better with the teammates. We've talked about Anazi and Phil Jackson, Greg Popovich, some of the best coaches in the history of, of all sports 
they really find a way to, to bond everyone together. And when you become bonded, this is off the court, it's easier to become bonded and get in that flow state on the court and play together and have that chemistry. Now, we mentioned it might be a little bit more difficult because they have a lot of different former, a lot of different people trying to play different roles that they've never played in their careers before at the tail end of their career. But they have LeBron James. They have a young Anthony Davis who's just now coming into his prime if he can stay healthy. They have a championship coach and they're in the bright lights in LA. Like what more can you ask for? So I'm excited for that quickly. Let's go down. Let's give our predictions. Who do you think first one I want to do is who do you think is going to be the next max contract guy to request a trade before his contracts up? We should do multiple choice. So Damian Lillard's one, one option. I think Carl um, Anthony Towns. Carl Anthony Towns is another one. Okay. And who else will we put in that category of uh, who else is let's see. I don't think I don't think Joker's going anywhere. No one on the Bucks is going anywhere. No one on the Heat's going anywhere. No, yeah. The Bulls, I mean, I think Zach Levine was itching to get out, but they brought in reinforcements for him. Um, Zion's not a max contract guy, but I don't know how things are going down there in New Orleans. That's actually a good. That's a good one right there. Um, yeah, that at least as far as high profile guys, that that definitely is something to take a look at. Um, Luca at some point, if if they don't start getting past the Clippers. Yeah. I guess we'll table that one for future. Um, who do you think is going to be the, who's in the, who's going to be in the finals and who's your, who's your champion? All righty. Um, well, we'll do this again before the playoffs. No, I, I think, do. yeah, this is, yeah, no, I, I think this is, I, I like doing this. I like doing this because, um, you know, forecasting, it is interesting. I mean, I think there's, there, there's maybe a little bit of a science to it history is the best teacher. Uh, and in the last several years, we have, let's see, I would say the best teams have that, I would say it's going to be pretty much the same eight teams, actually. Uh, I don't really see any other teams emerging. I, I do, in the West, this is the Western Conference. Um, I do see a little bit of flip-flopping in terms of, you know, the, uh, the seeding, like for example, I actually think Phoenix is going to be a lower seed this year. Um, I don't think they're going to be in the championship this year. I don't think they have. I think that last year they kind of overachieved. Um, and I think they're going to come back down to earth a little bit. I think, you know, Chris Paul is a year older. He's, you know, I don't know, man, Devin Booker, it's kind of interesting. It almost is like an AD situation. He really needs to be the guy and he's just kind of completely take the mantle and just be there, that dude that can bring it every night. I don't see that happening. It seems like they're still kind of trying, trying to shake off the the stench of of that loss from last year. So we'll see. I think who you got? I think Denver. You know, they're in the conversation. I know who you're going to say. If the Lakers. Okay, if the Lakers, the Lakers can can uh, solve their chemistry issues, then I I don't see how anyone in the league can uh, can do anything with them. It's going to take a long time to get this right, because these are definitely players that don't fit together in any conventional way. But this is a tremendous collection of talent. And one thing that's different about basketball is that only five, right? There's only five players that can impact 
the game for your team at any moment or any given time. And if you have three of the best five players on the court, or, you know, essentially 10 players on the court, if you have three of the best, or even, you know, three out of five of the best or whatever it is, that that's huge. You know, like that means that you're, you're almost certain to win, you know, that, that game. And, you know, that, that's basically what the, the Lakers are putting out as a product potentially every single night, right. Is three top 20 NBA players, uh, two of which are top five. Right. So that's, that's pretty, uh, that's pretty great. You're putting Russell Westbrook in the top 20. Yeah, I think so. I think, I think he's, I think he's earned his stripes. All right. Who do you got the Lakers beating in the finals? So I, I, I actually think this year that uh, I see Milwaukee going back to back. I really do. I don't see Brooklyn, especially without Kyrie Irving, having all they would need to have, just like was the case last year, actually. I mean, yeah, you could say James Harden was hurt, but um, yeah, I I think, yeah, it's going to be a similar outcome to last year. I think that the Bucks are still the most well-rounded team in the East. If anything, they've gotten better, you know, because of the, the year that they've had together. And, you know, I think Giannis is really just, you know, he's an amazing generational talent. I think he's an all-time great. I think he has the... He's still on the ascent. The personality and the character to, uh, to really just be, uh, you know, a champion for years to come. All right, so you got Lakers over Bucks. That's it. Uh, this is tough. I'm gonna have a repeat or rematch. Suns Bucks. I think the Suns get it done this time around. No, that's not gonna happen. I think I'm gonna have a rematch. Suns Bucks, and I think I'm gonna have the Bucks winning again. Giannis MVP of wow. the finals. My sleeper teams are gonna be the wow. You you like the Suns over? Oh yeah. The Lakers, the Warriors, and yep. Oh, and hey, the my sleeper team is going to be my sleeper team in the West is the Warriors. Look out if Clay comes back healthy. I love that team. Mm-hmm. Also, look out for the Nuggets if Jamal comes back. There you go. The Lakers, obviously, if if, if they stay healthy, and and I think for me that's the big if, and that's why I'm not picking them. Um, but if they stay healthy, obviously they're going to be in it. But that's the, I don't think that's going to come to fruition. I think the young guns are going to continue on to ascend. Um, and then my sleeper out in the East is going to be the Miami heat. I think, uh, their young guys are going to continue to ascend as well, but still bucks on bucks over sons, Giannis MVP, the finals. And then who you got for NBA MVP? I think I'm going to go, I mean, it's, I think it's going to be Luka Doncic's year. Think so a good one. That's because actually, I think it's just yeah, going to put up numbers. I think that's a good call. I'll say him or, or, and then Steph Curry would be my number two. Mm, Luca versus Steph. All right. Well, then I'm going to go in a different direction. And they've usually gave, given MVP to someone on one of the t- teams with the top records, though. I'm going to go Katie. Okay. I like that. I like that. Because there's going to be plenty of points scored. Those are good. I'll take, I'll, I'll take, I like the odds in all three. All right. Last question. Who's this year's Devin Booker or Trey Young? Who's the breakout player? Who's the guy that takes it to the next level and we start we see something in the playoffs a little bit? 
That's a tough mm. one. I don't even have the answer. Okay, no, I, I already know who it is. John Morant. Ooh, you think a second round? They get sneak in the second round there? They win a first round series? Yeah, I totally okay, do. I, like I totally do it. I yeah, I I I I absolutely see them making an ascent as a team. And he's he's a guy that's so hungry. He can impact the game in so many ways. I love everything about John Morant. He makes everybody around him better. Yes. I, I like I like that guy to to make. I mean, the you know Memphis was right mm-hmm. there last year, yeah. Right, so right. they're hungry. There's a lot of options. I think you could go with like someone like a Zach Levine if the Bulls sneak in there. Definitely Donovan Mitchell for the Jazz. Well, what about Lamelo? Lamelo, Lamelo is a little too soon for him. Maybe two years from now. Um, Maybe, but dude, he is a beast, man. Like he's I think, different. I think he's this different. is going to be really the year is. that um, I know he's already like a budding superstar, but I think this is the year Luca gets past the first round. Yeah, yeah, he should. He's too good. They've been pitted up against the Clippers, which have great uh, wing defenders. So I think this is the end, and that's not going to be. Does the- he have enough help? Does he have enough help? The thing about, I mean, it's like the Luca show, and you know, he, he's dependent on the supporting cast to just kind of fill those roles but i think some of those guys need to be just a little bit more talented you know be a little bit more reliable he needs a true number two and he doesn't really have that he has, he has some number threes yeah yeah all right well that wraps up our nba team dynamics preview yes, go out sir. there and get your vaccine listen to one of your trusted <laughs> physicians in your community but go out there and support the nba it's gonna be a great season it is, man. Support your neighbors. Support support your team. Let's take care of each other. And we'll, yeah, your families. Yeah, absolutely, I like that. Your neighbors, um, your your inner circle. And if someone goes MIA in your circle, step up, step in, put your ego to the side, let go of the previous role you had, and fill in that new role. Reinvent yourself. Do something different. All right, man. Let's end the stigma and continue the conversation. Do you feel me? Oh, so you want to do this? Do you feel me?